All right. If I could uh, remind you that this is that time in our service where we dismiss our children to go, of course, to Sunday school. And uh, what a blessing it is to have the privilege of pouring into children every week. What a privilege it is. And want to, again, just uh, say good morning to all of you, welcome you, and, and cause you to know how grateful we are, I am, that you have chosen to come to this fellowship this morning. Some of you may be at home, watching at home. We welcome you as well and are honored to be in your living room with you this hour. Um, as we kind of get ready for the balance of our service this morning, all I would say, uh, underscoring that there's a lot coming now that it's the holiday time of year, please consider your inserts and all the information that's on there, posted on your fridge, and uh, be aware of all that's going on around here. Uh, next week, we will finish our journey through the book of Hebrews, uh, but this morning we have a, a special opportunity to, to widen our perspective uh, of how God is at work in the world. We did send out an all-address you know, all church email. Perhaps you received that. But here in the incubator of the West, we sometimes are less aware of things that are going on, joys and hardships that are taking place uh, in the lives of Christians and others around the world. And though we here in the U.S. are not without our own hardships and our own joys, uh, this morning specifically, we get a chance, and I always welcome these chances, to, to widen our perspective of how Christ is being made known in uh, the world around us through the hands and the help of those who work alongside the evangelical church in the world. Um, with us today is a partner in the gospel, a friend in Christ, and one who has spent many years with a ministry that we are, I am familiar with, far-reaching ministries. There are some of you in this fellowship that also already receive the newsletter from Wes Bentley, but uh, it's been so many years since Wes has come or since Ed has come, and we're so grateful to have him here to share with us what God's put on his heart and tell us a little bit about what Far Reaching Ministries is doing today in the world. Would you please give a warm welcome to Ed Amaya. Ed. Isn't he a graceful man? You know, it's really actually hard to come up as, uh, well, let me give you a little bit of background before I say that. Uh, what you don't know is that your reputation is really strong in our ministry. And uh, a lot has been going on since the last time we've really connected with you. And before Wes went into a certain part of the world, he gave me a list uh, of some guys that we needed to reconnect with because we just got too busy and one is your pastor. Your reputation is excellent. But I do want to say this before I get going is that... <clears throat> Your pastor, he has an amazing cadence. He's articulate. I was listening to his words. He doesn't go fast. I wish I could tell you I was like art, but I'm from Southern California and I speak like I had way too much caffeine. So <laughs> what I would recommend if we're recording it to get the tape later and slow it down to about 25% of the speed and then it'll sound a little bit more mature, hopefully. <clears throat> 
Most of us, uh, most of you know who we are. We have had a connection with your church for a while. Um, every time we come here, we feel encouraged. And today's message is going to be a little bit uh, tough because it's what's happening in the world. And what I have to really emphasize this morning as I was listening to the Lord is that this is not browbeating to you at all. This is a reminder that as times get tough and, and maybe our encouragement or our courage waxes a little bit, it wanes. And I want to just remind you today that our call is great and, and this is a season like no other. The fruit that is being produced right now is like no other in the time of our, our, our world, except for maybe the very first century when the disciples went out and, and radically changed the world when after the Holy Spirit came upon them. Many of you have heard of us uh, as a ministry, but to give you a little bit of background, I'm going to spend a couple minutes just to kind of tell some of you who we are. Uh, we are a Calvary Chapel ministry. We came out of Calvary Chapel. I met Wes in 1985 at Horizon in San Diego. I was a brand new Christian. He was about eight years older than me and became just a dear brother and mentor. He's always been mature, and I've always been on too much caffeine. The Lord took us into different directions. I knew that I was being called to corporate America. I was going to be, yeah, that was my ministry, and the Lord propelled me into kind of the highest ranks of a corporation, and I was able to really share my faith. Wes had a different call, former Marine, and the Lord called him to missions. And, and we lost contact back years ago before Google. He was in Russia. And that's where I thought he was. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, I found out that there's this guy in this place called Sudan, where that's where you guys know us as. And I'm going to kind of start there. We're mostly known for our work in South Sudan. We've been in South Sudan for almost 30 years, 27 years. And in that time, what God has done has been so miraculous that we don't even know how to put our minds around it. We have been called by the Lord to go into some of the most extreme places on the planet, not because we're better or braver. That's just God's calling on us. And then he surrounded us with men and women who have just really unique skills. So we're able to go certain places. South Sudan, um, I don't know, I can't get too much into that, but that is one of the most heartbreaking stories of our life. Two and a half million people were genocide, two to two and a half million people were genocide for one, relig for one reason, a religious war. And it's heartbreaking. We've been involved in that. We didn't know to the degree in which it was going to happen, but the merciless, inhumane atrocities that were committed against the women and children and the elderly was too much for us to handle. We do not want to see men suffer, but there's just something built inside of us, isn't there, men, that we don't, it's not okay when women and children are picked on by really cruel men. And so as a ministry, we've gone in there and, and our heart is, is really for that country, but it starts with the women, the children, and the, uh, the elderly. It was pure evil what they did, and I can't get into those stories, but what I can tell you, that the trauma that some of these people have endured by the enemy violating them hundreds of times, uh, many of the ladies that we've worked with have had as a cruel act of terribleness. They've had their breasts cut off. They've had their nose cut off. They've had their ears cut off. Some have even had their fingers cut off. No other reason than to create fear within a community. But what I can tell you is that those women and, and a lot of the children that have just been traumatized uh, after years have become some of the greatest, greatest witnesses of the power of God to heal the most broken heart. And body of Christ, that's what we have. It's really easy to look back over the last couple of years and kind of think that we're losing this battle. And in fact, that's exactly what we do need. I think I got spoilt in America. In 1985, I became a Christian and I got to vote for my first president, Ronald Reagan, and it was almost kind of cool to be a Christian back then. And I got to tell you honestly, I got a, they already found me. 
uh, I got a, I got a, um, I, I, I got a little bit lazy because I kind of assumed that it was kind of cool to be a Christian. They talk about us at the White House, and we're now living in a time, for those of you my age, I'm going on 60 in a couple years, and so you've been around a while. We've gone for, it's always been tough, but it is a different world in which we live now. And that's what I want to encourage you today, is that as the world heats up, so does ministry. We, are, we have gone from Sudan, we are now involved in 36 countries. We're in nine of the 10 most dangerous Islamic countries. We're in five active wars, and if you want to talk about wars and rumors of wars, almost every country we're involved in is literally at the precipice of another civil war. It is one of the craziest things that I've ever seen in my entire life, and I have traveled the planet for a long time. Please be praying, because where people are running out, we're running in. And I'm going to get into some of the statistics here. In South Sudan alone, just to let you know the impact on us as a Calvary Chapel ministry, is we've had 72 of our chaplains die in the service of the Lord. And, uh, I, and I would ask that you would pray, because why that matters, that's really hard. These are not just 72 men. These are my brothers. These are guys that I have spent time with. I've gone through the word with. We've stayed up praying over the church till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. They've laid hands on me because they knew where I was going to go. And then I have to lose them. It's an incredibly hard thing. We, we carry a weight. We are going to see them in heaven. But we carry a weight that I never knew that I would have to carry when I first got into ministry. But the Lord strengthens me for it because I know what the outcome is as Christians, as those who confess the name of Jesus Christ, as those who have tasted his Holy Spirit, we will have a different life. And so everything that is hard on me, I have to look past that. I can't look at what I see and how I feel. I've got to look at the truth, or I would not have the courage to rise up. I uh, lead a division of our ministry. Last time I met you, I was the general manager, and today I'm, uh, I lead ghost operations. I'm responsible for 36 countries, again, where most people are running from. Uh, I, I represent the invisible arm of the church, the invisible arm of you to the most violent places in the world where people, again, are running from. We're running in to say, hey, Jesus loves you, that Samaritan type of approach. We're going to help people we don't know to bring the gospel. And what I can tell you is that hundreds of thousands of people almost every year are coming to the Lord because of where God has called us to. And, and, and I get that encouragement. I get that excitement. And I want to bring that to you today because God is still doing things in California. I'm going to say something I don't want to really say from here, but I feel like I have to. I get, California gets teased a lot from other countries, from other states. And, and I know there's some crazy stuff that goes on here. I really do know that. There's a lot of craziness. And, and when I, I had moved to Dallas for a little bit, and then I was coming back here, and I thought, you know, Wes, let's move to Dallas. And Wes said, Edward, we go to where people are running from. And if everybody leaves California, who are going to be the lights here? And I went, okay, we're not moving to Dallas. So we're staying in California with you. Because, because California needs Jesus. And out of all our 50 states, I would say California and New York may be tied on where Jesus needs the biggest outpouring. So we're staying here. And the work that we're doing, I'm here to talk to you a little bit about uh, Ukraine. It's been on the news lately. But in addition to that, I want to let you know some of the other things that are happening around the world that haven't stopped. And yet the Lord is doing miraculous things. And I will end with Ukraine. Uh, before... Ukraine happened before Afghanistan happened. We were very involved in many places, one of them called Syria. You probably read some of our newsletters on there. It has been a, it's been a heartbreaking issue. That country has been decimated. We had 12 underground pastors in Syria when the war broke out there, 
And uh, they all got together, and, and some of you have heard this story. They got together and prayed and said, it's okay, the war is going to be bad. If you need to get out of here, get out of here, and maybe we can come back another day. But before we do that, my main leader, wise man, told everybody, we need to pray and fast because we can't take this casually. We can't let our fear dictate us, nor can we let our pride dictate us that I'm going to stay and protect my country. And so he said he expected maybe a couple people that were going to stay and everybody else would leave. And he had accepted that and he prayed and fasted. And when they got together a week later, not only did the original 11 plus him, 12 show up, another 13 showed up and said, we will stay. And we ended up with over 200 people in Syria while the war has been going on. And the work has been amazing. We're smuggling in food. We can't bring in big amounts because the enemy will see it and target it. So we have to smuggle in small little parcels of food. Just one story, and there's thousands of these. One story, one of our guys took his food, a small parcel, not even enough really, and he split it up because he realized that it was an opportunity that people that hated him were also suffering. And he went to one of the local imam's house, the most powerful imam in the area, imam in the area, and his house had actually been partly destroyed during the war, but they still had to live there. And long story, ends up giving him this food, and the man's like, what is this about? He realizes, you're giving me food in a war. I mean, what is this about? And he goes, this is a gift from Jesus. And in that moment, that imam says, you mean the great prophet Jesus? And he says, yes. Invites him in. He gives his heart to the Lord, and a couple years later, he is now running an underground seminary in Syria. And that's what I want to encourage you, is even when it looks dark, it is dark, but light shines even brighter. I, was, I had a chance to uh, go to Bose when I was in corporate America, and, and if you've ever had a chance to do this, it's the trippiest thing in the world. But they take, took me into a room, it's called a uh, noise-proof room. There's just no noise, and when you speak, it's the weirdest thing. It's like it falls out of your mouth, and only you can barely hear it. It's the craziest thing. And when they turned off the light, and you have no noise in there, and you have no light, I felt, I felt upside down. I didn't know where I was. It was the trippiest thing. But this guy who had taken us in there pulled out a little pin light out of his pocket. I mean, smallest little light in this room. And when he hit that to kind of see our faces and help us to reorient, I remember that whole room lit up to me. And when it gets really dark, church, it's not time for us to hide in a bubble. Your light shines brighter. And what I can tell you, even on airplanes, there are people who hate the things of Christianity but are asking, what's going on? Do you have an answer? And I'm speaking with more people about the craziness of this world, and they're having conversations with me than ever before on airplanes. I want to encourage you. There's a lot of ministry to be had if we, if we have a sensitivity towards the fear that people are feeling. I could go on and on. There's Burma. They're killing entire villages. They, they hit one of our truckloads of food and medicine with five of our people who went to our church and all five were killed, four of them, or five were shot, four were killed, and one was shot in the head and he survived. Just a lot going on. And then if that weren't enough, then we had Ukraine and Afghanistan, or Afghanistan and Ukraine. Uh, Latin America, Joe Foch got a hold of us in the middle of Afghanistan and put me in contact with a guy in Latin America because this man is uh, dealing with the cartel that are now taking things to a whole new level of disgusting. For years, the cartel have been buying children from parents or getting young girls pregnant and taking those children. And then they take those children and they put them into human trafficking, sexual trafficking. That is debased and disgusting, and we need to stop it. 
But they also found that they could take a child and if they can, uh, if they can harvest the organs, there are people willing to spend money and on a child, they can make about 25,000 US dollars by selling the heart and the liver so that people can eat those because they have a superstition that they can live longer. And when, that, when we heard about that, we jumped into it, and we've already rescued 60 children. We have a home down there. Just so much going on all over the globe. There is so much work. There's just so much need. And, and I want to encourage you. It's hard, but God is still doing things. And that brings us up to Afghanistan and Ukraine. But before I get there, let me look at my time. I better go fast. I'm going to talk faster. I want to read a little scripture. Because I want to encourage us. This is, this is that courage. This is the reminder that as the days get darker and as we see wars and rumors of wars and as we see this world rolling up, the, the, the universe rolling up, it's not time for us to hide in our little bubble. I've read through scripture since 1985. Uh, I've gone through the Bible at least once a year and one time three times in one year. I, I'm a, I have read the scripture but about a year ago, I was reading in Luke, and I've read Luke maybe a hundred times, maybe a thousand times. I don't know. It's a lot in all those years. And, and I knew this story, but it just came out. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You're reading scripture, and then it's almost like the words are up here. And, and, and I'm like, okay, so I spent time there. I want to read this to you because it's really important in the times in which we live. If you're not looking at the world, and if you're not at least kind of concerned, and, and if you know scripture, and you're kind of going, wow, the Lord has to be coming back. This is pretty crazy. I want to remind you of these other words, too. In Luke chapter 19, if you want to turn there, Luke chapter 19, I'm going to pick up in verse 11. As a backstory, this is Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he knows for a fact that this is the end of this part of the story. He's going to be betrayed by the very men that he's speaking to. He's going to be turned over by his own countrymen to an invading uh, military power, which is Rome. And then he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And he has the clarity of mind to say something. And I often wonder if I have a chance before I breathe my last, what would I say to my adult children? What would, and what I do know, I don't know what I'm going to say, but what I do know is that it's going to be serious. It's not going to be anything silly. Listen to what Jesus says to the disciples in verse 11 of Luke 19. And as they heard these things, he, Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because... They supposed that the kingdom of a god was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. He gave them a responsibility. He gave them a gift. So we've got ten servants. They get about a, about a mina each. Back then, it was about a pound of silver. It depends on you know, what historians you look at. So they were given about a pound of silver, and then he says to them, engage in business. My favorite translation says, occupy until I come. But, I hate those buts, his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered those servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 of minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because cause and effect, because you have been faithful, because you have been faithful, it even gets better than that, in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. 
Then another came saying, Lord, listen to this. Here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you. Because you are a severe man, you take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man. You're trained, you're knowledgeable, you know my words, that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? Why then didn't you just do something practical with what I entrusted you to? If you couldn't do it, take the time to find somebody else that can do it because I gave it to you, I entrusted you. Put them in, um, and then, why then didn't you put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minas. I tell you that to everyone who has promise, more will be given. But to the one who has not promise, even what he has will be taken away. I'm going to spend a couple minutes there and, and uh, look at my time. I better get going here. This means a lot to me because what Jesus is saying is when I entrust you, when I give you something, I expect you to use it for kingdom purposes, to advance the kingdom. And, and I want to encourage you. This is so heavy on my heart. You can get exhausted like we do in ministry when it's always about death. I'd love to tell you that every day I get up and go, great, I get to go into a hard situation. Some days I want to leave that little blanket over my head. But this is the thing that reminds me to rise up and to go. I'm 57 years old. I'm going to be 60 soon. And if the Lord gives me, just make my math easy, 100 years, just make it easy. Uh, this, is, this is the thing that drives me. And I'm using this as a prop. This is my 100 years. This is really your 100 years too in comparison to eternity. I have 100 years to somehow live my life in such a way to glorify my king. And everything I do here is somehow going to affect eternity. This little moment of time is going to affect eternity. And eternity keeps going and it goes around. the. I mean, there is no end to my eternity. This drives me. I want to glorify Jesus, not because I'm earning his favor. I have been given his favor. And what I know about myself, men, and if, if I would have at 17, before I knew Jesus, showed up at your house, you wouldn't have let me date your daughter. But what God can do to a man to so transform him, I had spit and vinegar. He still uses that, but he uses that in a different way. But what God needs for us is to rise up and to start loving this world again. You guys are doing that, and I want to encourage you because there's a thousand voices out there telling you, be quiet about that. You're crazy. You Christians are crazy. You're, there's a billion people out there to tell you no. But is your conviction this morning so much that you want to glorify this king that you will pour out everything because while I was his enemy, he died for me. And I know that when I was 17, honestly, you wouldn't have let me near your daughter. You, you would not have liked me, but Jesus did because he knew what he could do with me. And that is the hope we have for this world. I'm going to get into Afghanistan, but I also want to remind you as I'm getting into Afghanistan, God's called me to Afghanistan. He's called me to other places. And maybe some of you will go somewhere else. But for this season, for God so loved the world that he sent me to Afghanistan and he sent you right here because he cares about the community. And this is whatever, whatever, whatever God has put in front of you, this is your responsibility.
If this is your church, this is your responsibility. If you have small children at home, that's your responsibility. Husbands, if your wife has fallen apart, it's your responsibility. We have to start showing the love of Christ in this church. So, Not that it's not. I mean, continue. Let me try that again. Sorry, it's not browbeating. We want to continue to show the love of Christ in this church because the world needs a hospital right now. They need to come someplace that it's actually safe and people are authentic. They want to come into a place where it's not a bunch of perfect people speaking perfect Jesus, but people that are been, have, have met Jesus, and it is so obvious because their lives are given to them. And what God can do with that as we bring more people that are broken just like us, then this place becomes a hospital, and, and we go through physical therapy, which we call discipleship, and then we can send people back out in the world. What I am driven for, body, is to see the last days come. The Bible talks about it. I've seen a couple little references around your church. There is a day of the Gentile, and what I want to do is I want to be active about that, because when that day comes, all the suffering and all my tears can go away. I am going to be busy until my last breath, Lord willing, should he give me the grace and the favor to glorify him because I want my life to count. And I want to encourage you. Your reputation is strong, and that's why I'm here. Before I go off into a country I can't even tell you about, Wes told me to call Art, and through that I came here. Your reputation is strong, and in these last days that means everything because that's really all you have is your reputation and your time. May we serve the Lord beautifully. Human suffering, I wish I could give a lot of that, but I can't. Uh, in Afghanistan, we've dropped in. Um, I have teams that are in, in and around Ukraine right now. I've had teams in and out of Afghanistan. Uh, it's a really tough situation. Here's some good news in Afghanistan, is that we have gotten out 1,200 people, and the vast majority of those are Christians. There are no organizations still working in, you, in Afghanistan, and you don't even hear about Afghanistan, and here's why I'm bringing it up, because you're not hearing about it. The Taliban, once all the cameras left and they went to this place called Ukraine, the Taliban took off their gloves, and they are doing everything that they had promised and that we knew, and it is a very precarious situation. We have hundreds of safe houses in Afghanistan that we're paying for. We have teams in there. We're moving people around. The Taliban is looking for them. Uh, one of the doctors, we still haven't been able to get out because he's so high profile. Uh, they already raided one of his uh, house that he was at, and they found a couple of his family members and have already executed them. So please be praying. Um, again, we are the only, only organization getting people out legally. The Lord even connected us a small Calvary Chapel ministry out of Murrieta, California, and we met the only person who, with the stolen passport machine, and he is helping us make passports legally to get our people into other countries so that they can have a life. Because there's another organization that got out a bunch of people, and now they're being brought back into and given back to the Taliban because they snuck them across the border and they don't have any rights anywhere, so they have to go back. So God gave us wisdom on that. A lot of good news. Let me spend some time with Ukraine. It just exploded in our face. What you don't know is we have been doing work. There are Calvary chapels in Ukraine that love our Calvary chapels in Russia, that love our Calvary chapels in Poland, that love our Calvary chapels in Georgia. And they are all working right now what's going on in Ukraine. Body, let me just say something. I am not here about politics. I'm not here to talk about the Ukrainian government being corrupt and the Russian government being corrupt because the United States government, well, I'll let you guys finish that line. <laughs> it's about the people. Because governments are corrupt. And that's what Jesus told us. If you, This is what the world told us because they observed what Jesus said, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Governments can get corrupt. 
It's about the people that are suffering. That's who Jesus went to, and that's who we're going to. We are driven to protect women, children. I'm going to use this verse, and I'm going to have to kind of come to a close here. I have more I can say, and I'll try. Wes and I will really try because we love your pastor. But we're going to try to come back a little bit more often so that we can really be connected and give you guys courage, encouragement of what's going on across the globe. Again, hundreds of thousands of people, even during COVID, came to know Jesus, and most of those in very dangerous Muslim countries. God is moving. Don't you dare believe the voice in the back that we have lost this battle, let's hide, let's go. God is still moving, and he needs us to be courageous, more courageous than ever, to go out there and share the love of Jesus, because it is the only hope that this world has, the love of Jesus. Even in my suffering, the only hope I have it's the love of Jesus. I'm going to finish with my verse here, and then I have one last what if. Proverbs 24, 10, and 12 is a verse that I, I quote every morning when I get up. And I want to just share, I want to share something because I, I, I know I'm, I'm six foot, I weigh 215, it could, I'm up here boldly. It could seem like I'm some guy who can do it all the time, all the right. I'm not. Like you, I'm still a man. Well, like you men, I'm still a man. And the Lord gave me this verse a while ago and gave it to Wes too. And I quote this every day as my reminder. And, and I'm going to change it around. It says, Edward, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those, very clear to me, being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards a slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have? And I'm adding this, and have not done. The world is spiraling out of control into chaos. I have a video that your pastor has, and he'll probably put that online. And it's, a, it's an actual video from Ukraine. It's only nine minutes. I have, it, I have tons of hours. I had a team in there. And I think you need to know what's going on just so that you know how to pray. But I ask myself a lot, you know, Father, what if, what if, and this is a very true story, this is a hard story. What if I was a man that was taken by uh, a Muslim extremist group and they tied me up to my chair and they brought my two daughters in, this is tough. They brought my two daughters in and my wife and in front of me, they violated them all day long, multiple people, and I couldn't do anything about it. What would I do? What would I do that at the end of the day, these cruel, heartless men took my two daughters and my wife and killed them in front of me and left me tied to my chair for 11 days to watch their bodies. Sorry, I didn't see those. I didn't realize there were that many. I'll change this a little bit. Young people. What would I do? I'll tell you what I would do. I'd cry out to God with every fiber of my body, and I pray that our ministry is an answer to those cries. And I pray that this church is an answer to the cries, both inside this church and outside those walls. Because God doesn't just love the 1040 window. God loves the entire world, and God wants us to meet those. There's billions of people, including even in, Cal in California, because if they haven't been brought to church, they don't know Jesus yet. We have work to do, not just in the 1040 window, and I'm covering that, but in the whole world. If you want to get involved, I'm going to leave that to Pastor. I'm going to end with that. Um, and, but I, and Pastor, I want to be really careful because I, I want to make sure I'm honoring the pastor but putting what I think is on my heart. This church means a lot to us. And body of Christ, we don't get to talk this way. And your pastor didn't give me permission. I hope he'll have grace on me. I'm going to talk to you practically. 
When I was a brand new Christian at 19, you're going to laugh at me. Uh, when I first started going to Horizon, I had come from such a dysfunctional background that for two years I didn't get close to Pastor Mike McIntosh. I was so sure that he was so spiritual and so perfect that if he got close to me, he would be able to tell me about all the stupid things I did and I was embarrassed. And then I found out that Pastor Mike is just like Pastor Art and I, we're just men. In fact, we're in process. The other thing I did too, and I don't know why, I had a family, I had three children, and yet I just, and I had to go to work, I had a mortgage, I had all that stuff, and I just kind of assumed at church that where God guides, God provides, and he does. Uh, and then I remember one time, and I realized this later, that we had a, we had a missionary friend of mine that came in in, in Hungary, if you guys remember when all that was going on, and they wanted to get a heater for an orphanage, and I remember taking the money I was going to give to church, and I wrote a check, and, and I gave it to him, and I was really proud, and a couple years later, I, I felt like the Lord said, you know, what you did is you really helped, but you took from what I entrusted you to, to give to something else. And body of Christ, I just want to encourage you. Your first responsibility is always your body right here, the needs here. I personally believe that evangelism is changing. I used to go down to Ocean Beach at 19 years old, and we'd lead people to the Lord. If I go down to Ocean Beach today and try to talk about Jesus, I'm going to get beat up. doesn't mean I shouldn't go. But what I do know is to love evangelism because everybody's world, from the White House to a tent on the street, everybody's world will be rocked by fire. And if they know that I love them unconditionally, if I'm not just yelling at them about masks and mandates and I'm not being silly, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. We're ambassadors of heaven. I represent Jesus Christ to this world. The words that come out of my mouth, the actions that come out of my mouth, they matter. I'm not just an ambassador for America to the world, which I am, or Calvary Chapel, which I am. I am an ambassador to heaven. And body of Christ, I'm going to try to look at every one of you individually. Every one of you that know Jesus, you're all ambassadors of Jesus Christ to this world. And I want to remind us to have that, that courage, not the arrogance, but the courage to know that if we go out and love on people, one day they are going to look back because I've had it happen. Why are you different? I wish I could get into those things, but even the guy who wrote the uh, story, 12 Strong, were involved with uh, Shannon Spann, Mike Spann, if you know the story. Um, Shannon Spann's husband, she was CIA, Mike Spann's CIA. They were strong Christians. He was the first CIA, CIA agent killed in uh, Afghanistan. And um, at, when Afghanistan took off, she had hundreds of friends because she spent years there building relationships. And she went to the CIA, all the people she served with. Her current husband is CIA too. And they couldn't help. And as she was praying, the Lord said, go to my people. And she didn't even know who FRM was. So she made a call to somebody else that said, hey, there's this weird group of people that will go in and rescue people. So she called us. Today, she has been serving with us for the last year to get as many people out of Afghanistan. That's what God can do. God can connect you with people that you have no idea. We have senators and congresspeople. That's not because of us. This is an exciting but incredibly difficult thing to be a Christian. But I'm going to live on the exciting, because when I stand before God in heaven, the things that mean the most to me, because I'm almost, I think I'm going through mid-age crisis, is that I want us all to literally, I want art and everyone in here, we hear the voice of the Spirit of God saying, well done, my good and faithful servants. If you want to get involved in this, I'm going to let Art do that. I have a couple needs. I can explain them back there. Um, and I want to make sure, though, that you listen to Art's heart. I'm here to encourage you. There's work to be done. 
If you're involved here and you want to get involved in us, there's stuff that's doing. We we're, we're, we're have 155 homes in Ukraine that we're putting in. We have 70 of them already built. They're only $4,500. These are for elderly people whose homes have been hit by bombs. They have nothing. Uh, winter's coming. We're, we're, we have 3,000 families we're taking care of right now. We have over 100 widowed um, ladies that we're taking care of. We've got to get them through the winter. If you want to support us, we don't need you to support them all. Whatever you can do, just so you can talk to me back there, uh, monthly, one-time gifts. Everything is going. Here's what I'm telling you. 100% of anything that you want to give to FRM towards Ukraine or anything else doesn't go to me. In fact, when I came up here, your pastor wants to, wants to take care of us. And Wes told me to buy my own ticket, get my own hotel, and do everything because we wanted nothing on your church. I wanted to come before you and encourage you because as God is using me, he's using you. And this man right here has a reputation. Pray for him because the enemy would love to ruin his reputation. And it's a man of God that we admire. You didn't know that. I'm in Sudan, and I'm admiring your pastor, and so is Wes, enough to remember him going, oh, get a hold of Art. Wow. You guys are blessed. And I feel incredibly blessed that I talked to Art Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, and he had me in the pulpit today because he knew that you needed to hear what was going on across the world so that you would rise up and be encouraged. Get involved. This is your window. Pour it all out for the kingdom of heaven. For those of you who know Jesus, I can promise you it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do and the most incredible thing I ever have done. I was called to corporate America. I am now serving on the mission field. I pinch myself sometimes going, Father, really? And I want to encourage you. This is not for the weak of heart. This is for those who want to rise up even in their weakness and allow the Holy Spirit to give them strength and courage and opportunity and love and a heart and compassion and different prayers because that's what we're looking for and a perfect time for us to talk about our Savior. Pastor.